You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. All right. Take it easy, baby. Take it easy. No. Oh. Make it last all night. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Different song. Yeah. <laughs> I was going with Slow Ride. Let's see here. <laughs> we should roast each other again. Apparently, that was <laughs> Okay, <laughs> look, I mean, that's fine and all, but A, it's got, it, you can't force it. No. Or it sounds bad. And B, I could do it every other episode. If it came up in every episode, I would start to get... I wouldn't enjoy doing the show. <laughs> it's hard for me to playfully playfully roast. Uh-huh. Not even that it's like I can't take it, can't dish it out kind of thing, but just it's just I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, not even roasting. Roasting's fine if you're like teasing and stuff, but bickering. Right. You know? Right, right, right. right. I need everyone to agree with me at all times. Mm. No, that's not it. You're going to have a tough, tough life. I'd, so far, it's been great because I've oh. been right. <laughs> Pretty much every single time, constantly, forever. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Thank you for <laughs> I, agreeing. I forgot that you were right on the time. Thank you. <sighs> or else, you'll you know what happens. Oh, shit. Am I married to Ivan the Terrible? <laughs> Eli the Terrible. Is that what you would... If you were a czar, what would you call yourself? If I was a czar, I'd be Eli... Hmm. <laughs> I think Eli, you can't. Hmm. Eli the hmm. <laughs> Eli the ambivalent. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you can't give yourself your own czar nickname, you know. I guess that's true. Other people, Someone else has to give it to God, you. So what is that? Would, would you, am I Eli the, the ambivalent? Well, in that moment, you certainly would. <laughs> Are you quite a caretaker? Oh. Maybe Eli the amiable. Oh, okay. 
That would be a cute name for you. Doesn't exactly strike fear into the hearts of my enemies. You know what? But... Maybe you are presiding over an unprecedented era of peace. Let me Have tell you. Have you thought about that? Let me tell you. <laughs> I better be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> because I would fare much better like, in that world. That sounds great, actually. wartime. Because they'd be like, sir, the, the British are attacking. And I'd be like, I don't like bickering. <laughs> Um, can we just move past this? Can we just pretend this fight never happened? <laughs> I'd much rather just give each other the silent treatment for an mm-hmm. hour, mm-hmm. and then we just continue on with our day as if none of this ever happened. <laughs> if I also hate that. I know you would, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well. What would you call me? You? Oh, you'd be Diana the Overworked. Oh. <laughs> I feel like as a czar, I should be taking it easy. <laughs> you should, but you would not. I would you not. Would be, they'd be like, uh, Tsarina Diana, it's time. Everything is fine. The country's at peace. The economy's doing well. And you'd be like, I need a few more projects, please. <laughs> Let's build a cathedral. <laughs> be like, we have so many cathedrals. <laughs> I know. Well, build another one. <laughs> We'll put a couple of little stages in there. Yeah, a cabaret. We'll do a theater show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The Cathedral Cabaret. (laughs) I actually would totally do a Cathedral Cabaret. That sounds great. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. Anybody with a cathedral, reach out. (laughs) There we go. Here comes the next six months of our lives somehow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I planned a cabaret. Well, when you plan a cabaret, we plan a cabaret. (laughs) Thank you, babe. That's what the partnership's wait, all wait. about. No, I'm just saying that's how it is. I'm not volunteering oh, well, my that. Bad. <laughs> I thought you were trying to be supportive. No, no, it's a, I don't have a choice. Oh, yeah. Because true. I'm innately so supportive because I'm Eli the Amiable. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one czar I want to talk about today. Yeah, me too. The czar who's been living in our hearts for the last week or so. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan the Fourth, also known as Ivan the Terrible. If you joined us in the last episode, and I don't know why you wouldn't have if you're here now, right? we learned that Ivan IV was named ruler of Russia at just three years old when his father died. But he was raised by the Shwisky family of boyars who took control of Russia after probably poisoning his mother, Elena Glinskaya. When Ivan was 16, he crowned himself the first czar of Russia and started cutting off the boyars' power, mostly by cutting off their heads. Effective. But he married Anastasia Romanov, who loved him and helped him be a great ruler by cooling his horrible temper. But when she died at 29 years old, Ivan was certain that the boyars had poisoned her as well. Now, he would marry again and again and again, taking a total of eight wives in his life. None of them, however, fared too well, and ultimately, neither did Russia. So, let's hear about the Tsar's next seven wives, and how this guy went from being Ivan the Fine to Ivan the Not-So-Good, all the way down to Ivan the Terrible. Let's go! Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. The boyars, if you remember from part one, are basically the ruling class of nobility in Russia, and they've always held a lot of power. 
They had poisoned Ivan's mother, and they likely poisoned Anastasia, Ivan's first wife. And after this, Ivan had multiple people jailed and executed. But Ivan didn't really work with a lot of evidence when he was accusing the boyars of doing all these evil things. And while, yes, some of these boyars were rich schemers working to secure their own power, Ivan's hatred of them as a whole wasn't really very focused, and it even started to spill over into the civilian population. Mm. But you know what? All of that can go on hold because Ivan Vasilyevich was now Muscovy's number one most eligible bachelor. Ooh, ladies, ladies, ladies. Line them up. Come on down. <laughs> well, the first idea for Ivan to remarry was Katarzyna Jagielonka, a Polish princess. And at the time of Anastasia's death, Ivan was fighting a major war between Russia and basically everyone else. Oh my God. <laughs> the Polish, the Swedish, the Danes, and the Cossacks in the South. So, if a marriage made an ally out of Poland, it was a pretty good idea. Sure. Classic reason for a czar to get married. Oh yeah, we're at war, but I married one of your daughters, so now we're not at war anymore. Yeah, everything you were mad about, it's over now. <laughs> Now, Ivan thought it made sense, and Katarzyna's brother was into it, but Katarzyna herself was apparently crying her eyes out at the idea. But then another woman was presented to Ivan in 1561, Maria Temryukovna. She was the daughter of a prince from Kabardia, an independent country located near what is the border of Russia and Georgia today. So this would ally a region that could help them fend off the Cossacks in the south. So another good, powerful alliance. Isn't that so interesting? I mean, these the, the Kabardians weren't fighting with the Russians at the time, but they would have been strong allies. But even thinking back to him trying to marry out of a war with Poland, it just so clearly to me shows how desperately they both want the war to end. And they yeah. just need any excuse. I agree. You know, it's not like today that like Putin would be like, all right, Ukraine, send me one of your finest ladies <laughs> what if- and we'll solve this the old fashioned <laughs> way. Like that shit don't work anymore. <laughs> so Maria Temryukovna's father presented her to Ivan the fourth and Ivan went absolutely gaga for this lady. She was maybe the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. And he suddenly is like, Katarzyna, who? I don't even care. That girl's crying anyway. I'm not going to marry her. (laughs) Maria was gorgeous. She was rich. She was royalty from a foreign country that would make a great partner to Russia. There was really only one problem. Maria was a Sunni Muslim. Now, Russian folklore says that on her deathbed, Ivan's first wife, Anastasia, had told Ivan, Whatever you do, you've got to marry a Christian. Oh my God, final words. Right. I mean, they were Orthodox and Catholics, Mm -hmm. and they were pretty strict about, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping it in the family, so to speak. So Ivan is thinking like, oh, boy, well, my ex-wife did specifically warn me about this. But on the other hand, this lady is super hot. She's fine. Absolutely spotty, all delicious. Like, I am into this woman. Uh, I love the idea of Czar Ivan, like, bumping. <laughs> to outcast? <laughs> yeah, AT aliens or something. So he decided Maria is the one, and they married on August 21st, just four days before Ivan's 31st birthday. Mm. But it was quickly clear that nobody liked Maria. She was seen as manipulative and vindictive. 
She refused to respect local customs, and she is very rude to her stepchildren, Ivan's surviving sons, Ivan Jr. and Theodore. Mm. As opposed to Anastasia, Maria seemed to encourage Ivan's ruthlessness. But actually, Ivan didn't like her much himself, and that just added to his general anger and paranoia. They had one son together in 1563 named Vasily, but he died just a few months later. Now, Ivan already basically trusted no one. We know this. But the war also was not going well, and Russia was struggling with drought and famine. Peasants were angry. They were quitting their jobs. Dogs and cats were living together. Just mass hysteria. And then in 1564, Ivan's good friend, close advisor, and military leader, Andrei Kurbsky, suddenly defected and joined the Lithuanians. And he cited Ivan's growing distrust of everyone, and he was worried about all these repressive ideas that the Tsar was forming. Kurbsky led a Polish-Lithuanian force against his own people, the Russians, and he decimated them in several battles. Or kicked him to the Kurbsky. Kurbsky. Kurbsky stomped him. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, you know, Ivan's been betrayed again. The boyars are acting crazy. The clergy was embezzling. The peasants were restless. So Ivan IV just left. He packed his bags. He grabbed his wife, Maria, and he left Moscow without telling anybody for Alexandrov. And he sent a letter back to the boyars in Moscow and said... Y'all suck. I'm going to quit. Damn. Yeah. Nobody wants to work anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Boyar court had always been locked in a battle with Ivan, but they took a look at the state of Muscovy, particularly the desperate and furious peasant class, and realized they were 100% shit out of Luxky. <laughs> uh, they wanted all this power over the Tsar, but they realized that if he was fully gone, they had basically no power at all. Mm. You can't be the power behind the throne if there's no one on the throne. Right, exactly. So they followed him to Alexandrov, and they begged him to come back and rule Russia. And he said, okay, but on one condition, I get absolute power. I want to be able to condemn and execute people I decide are traitors, and I want to confiscate their land, and I don't want no interference from y'all boyars or the church. Wow. Now, some historians say that Maria Temryukovna herself gave Ivan this idea. She sounds like she could easily come up with it. Mm -hmm. But, of course, common to blame a lady (laughs) for some shit a guy does. The Boyar delegation looked at each other awkwardly. They turned back to Ivan and they said, yeah, man, whatever you want. And thus began the Oprichnina, one of the darkest and scariest periods in Russian history. Right. The Oprichnina was this huge territorial state within the borders of Russia where Ivan had absolute power and control and could execute people at will if he felt like they were being disloyal. Mm-mm. So it's a it's a large chunk of land that encompassed all the major cities, right. you know, not Siberia, but uh, the populous part. At will, he could confiscate land of people he felt like were traitors, and he could kick their families out to go live in the Zemschina, which was the Russian land outside the Oprichnina, so the place you didn't want to be. Yikes. To enforce this brutal new reign, he formed a guard called the Oprichnik. The Oprichnik was basically Ivan's private, personal army. They were a thousand hand-picked super soldiers who dressed in all black and rode black horses. Tied to their saddles was a severed wolf's head, 
which symbolized the Oprichnik sniffing out the Tsar's enemies and the hounds of hell nipping at their heels. Ivan himself often rode at the front of the horde, and he affixed iron jaws to his wolf's head that would open and snap shut as his horse galloped. All right. I can't approve of a brutal private army. Right. But the vibes are incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's so I, it's metal. It's so metal again. <laughs> I feel like an Opeth album is about to start. <laughs> it's like kind of cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like severed wolf's heads, but. No. Yeah, if this was <laughs> like a movie, I'd be like, these guys are terrifying and kind of awesome. Like, I, you know, I'd definitely dress as this for Dragon Con if this was just a fantasy. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> it you is would... it's very, very Ring Wraith vibes. Very true. But I mean, that's sort of like such an interesting thing about historic armies and stuff is that yeah. they're like, you have to defeat them, you know, kind of their morale first. Oh, yeah. That's the first thing. So if you have the right look, or like uh, even like the rebel yell or whatever. Like right. it was just so many armies that had their little thing that was like, let us freak them out Stri before we ever strike a single blow. Striking fear into the hearts of your enemies is key yeah. in all things. I remember in uh, uh, speaking of movies, I remember in the film Little Giants in oh. the early 90s with Rick Moranis <laughs> uh, playing a football <laughs> coach. A that... severed head with a guy, <laughs> you know, Rick Moran. Hang on. <laughs> I'm getting there. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it was all, you know, it was like a ragtag group of misfits playing football, little little peewee football. Just like the Oprichnik. <laughs> and one of the kids had real bad tummy troubles. Aww. So he always had, he was always taking Alka-Seltzer. Mm -hmm. And when they were trying to figure out how to intimidate the other team, because they are all little nerds. <laughs> he told them all to put an Alka-Seltzer tab in their mouth and they all started foaming at the mouth. It's like, they, <laughs> so they all pop one in their mouth but while they're all lining up to do to play football and the other kids freak out because all the whole all team right. full of nerds is all foaming at the mouth. Like, are, do you have rabies? That's a really <laughs> big problem. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So just like the Elpreach Nick, uh, Little Giants. <laughs> Ruined. <laughs> It was like it. Little Giants being the natural heir of the operation. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I wish that line had been in the movie. Like, okay, well, Just I remember like the Oprichnik. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Rick Moranis is like, no, we can't carry around severed wolf heads onto the football field. But, <laughs> but. <laughs> we can learn a lesson about intimidation. <laughs> well, on their acceptance, recruits to the Oprichnik swore loyalty to Ivan his sons, his wife, Maria, and also swore, quote, not to eat or drink with the Zemschina and not to have anything in common with them. Mm. Now, these guys terrorized the Russian civilian population. They executed anyone who was suspected to be disloyal to Ivan, who had declared himself the, quote, hand of God. Always a good sign in a leader. Okay. Citizens were terribly treated. They were quartered boiled, Ugh. impaled, or even roasted over an open fire if Ivan declared them treasonous. Oh, God. If their families were lucky, they were exiled. Often they were killed, too. Now, you'd think this would be all about controlling people through fear, right? Striking mm -hmm. terror into the hearts of the populace. Right. Like, I'm going to go around and murder some folks so that nobody acts up. Like, that's my real reason, right? Right, exactly. But because Ivan was what modern psychologists call loopier than a cross-eyed cowboy. <laughs> 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 you 
Yes, <laughs> as clinically. As crazy as a soup sandwich. Yeah, crazier than a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> that boy's cheese slid all the way off his cracker. These are all the clinical modern diagnoses of Ivan the Terrible, yes. Uh, So a lot of the time, you know, he's just imagining treasonous behavior. He doesn't have proof for any of this. Yeah, no, but he really believes it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, He's just like seriously paranoid. Yeah. And of course, if you had a problem with how he was doing things, you were next in line for whatever torture he could come up with. Exactly. So it's just like no criticism, no, no, no looking at him the wrong way, anything. No could one just set him off. No one could stand off to the side and say, um, I don't. The, the, yeah, this guy sucks, but he didn't actively commit treason. Are you sure we should boil him alive? Uh-huh. Because Ivan would just turn and say, oh, I guess you're a traitor, too. So uh-huh. add him to the pot. Another one for the pot. Yeah. Ugh. Brutal. Ooh. And and that's it's so much harder when these people really believe it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's one thing if someone's aggressively manipulative and knows that they're lying to everyone. Right. But when you have someone who's so crazy they believe their own crazy theories. Well, that's and when it gets scary. I it think. must be said he has a lot of reason to believe them because it's not like people ain't been poisoning people all around him and stuff. Absolutely. So he he does have some real things yes. that he is clearly blown uh-huh. into a very very upsetting paranoid bubble that he's right. In. Right. What he needs is someone to talk to. I mean, he needs a therapist. <laughs> and honest, I mean, honestly, that might be part of what him and Anastasia's marriage you know why that was so beneficial because Mm -hmm. it may have been we don't know but it may have been a situation where he sat down and was like oh my god I think everyone is out to get me this guy looked at me funny when I walked down the hall and she was like honey sometimes people just look at you funny like you're a czar you're the most important guy in the room and he's like oh you're right you're right okay so that he was able to discern more who was a real threat Mm. And who he was just getting feeling a little paranoid about. But once she got poisoned, all bets are off. Everyone could have been out to get him. And no one was there to suggest that he was yeah. overreacting. Mm. So all this to say, Ivan had become a ruthless, brutal monster and an all-powerful dictator during his marriage to Maria. Just it, even more than before, of course. So let's take a quick break and we will get into the consequences of his actions for both him and his wife, right after this. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, 
but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Toyota believes in the power of personal choice for reducing carbon emissions. Beyond Zero is their vision to go beyond carbon neutrality, and they're working toward it with a diverse lineup of electrified vehicles. And electrified doesn't just mean plugified either. Toyota offers more low- and zero-emissions vehicles combined than any other automaker, so you have choices that fit your lifestyle. Whether you want a hybrid EV that starts and handles like a traditional Toyota with better MPG, a battery EV that delivers a smooth, silent, clean ride, or a plug-in hybrid EV that goes between battery and fuel to give you the best of both worlds, Toyota has you covered. And for those of you who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. But it doesn't stop with vehicles. Toyota is decreasing its plastic waste, supporting water conservation efforts, and expanding programs that protect critical species, all to help reduce their environmental footprint and create a positive impact on society giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions. That's Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified dash vehicles slash beyond dash zero dash vision. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back, everyone. Do I sound like Count Chocula? I was a little Chocula, <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> now the Count. I love it. <laughs> All right, so it was far from Maria Tenryokovna's fault that her husband, Ivan, was the terrible, <laughs> but she did seem to encourage it. And of course, she was no peach herself. And while he might have listened to her when she suggested that he start the Albrechtina, he also regretted marrying her. She was hated by her subjects and the courts alike, as well as by Ivan's whole family. And we can't say that this wasn't uh, xenophobia or some sort right. of bigotry against whether she was Muslim, you know, if this was a racist thing, you know, hard to say. But what history suggests to us is that she was pretty rotten herself. Yeah. So maybe it was not a total shock when on September 1st of 1569, eight years after their marriage, Maria Temryukovna died of poisoning. Again? Rumors went around that Ivan himself actually poisoned her, but Ivan not only denied that, but he had several nobles executed who he blamed for her death. Well, I mean, I doubt he's going to be like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. That is, he's going to be like, I, like, I did it, and a bunch of y'all are going to pay for it. Proof that I didn't is that I killed a bunch of other people for doing it, so it must have <laughs> been them. <laughs> I mean, no, I will say that historians generally agree that he was not the one behind it this time. It wouldn't make have made a lot of sense for him, but... that That's true. That yeah. makes sense. Well, raise your hand if you think Ivan calmed down after this. <laughs> I don't see any hands. <laughs> no, no, nobody, nobody. Well, I'll give you a hint. The next thing to happen was something called the Massacre of Novigrad. Oh, boy. So in 1570... 
Ivan believed Novograd, Russia's second largest city, was planning on defecting to the Lithuanians. Mm. And we know we don't like that. So he rode to the city, sending the bodies of dead clergymen ahead of him. He constructed a barrier around the city so no one could escape. And then he and the Oprichnik performed the most brutal attack in their existence, with estimates between 2,000 and 15,000 casualties. Merchants were tortured. Nobles were roasted with what one chronicler called a, quote, clever fire-making device, which just sounds like a 1500s, like, flamethrower or something. Yeah, right. Women and children were tied up and thrown into the frozen river where they would be trapped under the ice and drowned. Oh, God. Oh, that sounds horrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then they had boatmen riding around with spears to make sure they got anyone who didn't drown. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, those who confessed to treason after torture were dragged behind sleds across town. And then peasants' homes were looted and destroyed. And if they survived his attack, many starved or froze later because they had nowhere to live. Yeah. Um, There's a whole lot of history about the massacre of Novograd. If anyone's interested in Russian history, there's, I mean, just books dedicated to just this event. Of course, all we have time for is a paragraph, but it's wild. Very upsetting. Well, the next year, in 1571, another fire broke out in Moscow. Damn, these fires. Third one. And this time, it was definitely deliberate. Because see, the Crimean and Ottoman forces had come to attack Moscow, and they set the suburbs on fire. And this huge wind came in, and it blew the fire into the city. In six hours, the palace, the Oprichnina headquarters, and the suburbs had completely burned down. Whoa. People were fleeing. They rushed into stone cathedrals. And a lot of those cathedrals collapsed, either from the heat of the fire or just from the sheer number of people shoving their way into them. Mm-hmm. Other people jumped into the river, and many of them drowned. The gunpowder storage room at the Kremlin exploded. Casualties were estimated to be between 60,000 and 200,000 people. Oof. Afterwards, Ivan ordered bodies found in the streets to be thrown into the river. But there were so many that it caused flooding. Oh, my God. Yeah. Historian James Horsey wrote that it took more than a year to clean out all the bodies. You know, the smell was like. Oh, my God. Out of control. Just horrible. After this, the Oprichnina was disbanded and the lands of the Oprichnina and the Zemschina were reunified under one new boyar council that Ivan helped pick out. Now, historians think Ivan might have found the country being divided into two sections was just too ineffective while the country was dealing with this big war that they were losing. Mm. Maybe Ivan felt like he'd achieved his goal by striking fear into everyone's hearts, so Mm. his opposition wasn't going to be so, you know, it was going to be easier to put down. So he got rid of the Oprichnina, the Oprichnik. They were done now. And they generally think that He recognized it wasn't doing anything good for him at this point, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to look like it was a success. So he was just kind of like, we're done with this now. Uh, Great job, me. It worked exactly like I wanted to, and now I can get rid of it. He unraveled that big mission accomplished banner. Yes, exactly. He's standing on that Right next to his burned down palace. (laughs) Right. Well, by now, I think y'all probably know the pattern, so you know what's coming next, because it goes, 
Ivan's wife gets poisoned. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people get executed. Mm-hmm. And then there's a big fire. Back. And then it's time for another beauty pageant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was time for Ivan to get a new bride since now, what, three have been poisoned? You know, everybody that had to show up was like, well, I, I guess I'm going to be poisoned. I remember in part one. Who knows, one, one year or two or 13, <laughs> but it's going to happen. I know. I remember in part one, we said that some of the girls were probably excited to go in and take part in this beauty pageant because <laughs> marrying the czar was so cool. And by now, it's probably like, oh, God, it's like American Idol. Like, I hope I get second place because mm-hmm. then I'm not locked into this horrible contract. But maybe I'll get a good record deal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love and, that. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, this is not far from the truth because sometimes the uh, the runners up in this beauty pageant would end up marrying other nobles. Sure. Or one of them even went to uh, one of Ivan's sons. No, I could see so it. So second place was probably not bad. <laughs> well, I actually I remember. Um, did you ever see The Man in the Iron Mask? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That yeah. Movie? Yeah. Way back when. I just remember when Louis, the shitty one, uh-huh. <laughs> was like starting to hit on that girl and she starts to get really worried. And I remember when I watched it, of course, it was when it came out, I was younger and everything. And I was like, oh, well, why is she so worried? It's great. The king likes her. You yeah. Know, she's set for life. But actually, everybody knew that it was really not great to right. be either too favored or too disfavored yeah. by the ruler. Like you want to be nice in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Where he likes you and then he forgets you. Relatively immediately unnoticed. Yeah. After you leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. True with a lot of bosses, I think. You know, True. like, I want you to like me and then not think of me when Every you're end. making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So, once again, young women are called from across the land. And in October 1571, out of 12 finalists, Ivan gave the rose to Marfa Sobakina. Mm. He arranged their marriage. And this time, they would stay in an impenetrable fortress, which Ivan had filled with only loyalists. Ah. Absolutely no one was going to get to his third wife, Marfa, and she's dead. Oh, no. (laughs) Whoa. What? (laughs) Yep. Only 16 days after their wedding, Marfa died of a mysterious ailment. Oh, my God. Now, it was rumored and is probably true that Marfa's own mother accidentally poisoned her with a potion that was meant to increase her fertility. Oh. So that's really tragic because, you know, yeah. Martha's mom is like, I'm just trying to set you up for success. Right. In your very scary marriage to the worst man in the world. Oh, my God. And she accidentally kills her own kid. That's so sad. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned in the last episode, a lot of medicines back then used mercury and other toxins. So it's likely that, you know, Martha just took too much of a bad thing in order to try to be the mother you know, of the heir to the to the czar wow. and like secure her position for life. Right. Um, but that is really sad. It is. I feel it really is. bad for Marfa's mom. Oh, all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at least Ivan, we know, calmly and quietly accepted the death of his wife. And he spent a few weeks in quiet mourning. Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course not. No, he went absolutely nuts. I mean, his his impregnable fortress had been impregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so impregnant. <laughs> impregnant. Somebody impregnant it. So it once again, Ivan got super paranoid that everyone he trusted was out to get him. And he immediately executed 20 people, including his previous wife's brother, Mikhail Timryukovna, and much of Marfa's own family. Mm. Now, this time, Ivan decided 
that he better get married real quick before another fire broke out. <laughs> and he just went ahead and picked, speaking of runners up, Anna Koltovskaya. She was an 18-year-old girl, and she had also been in the last beauty pageant. Right. But the Orthodox Church had a real problem with Ivan going into a fourth marriage. In fact, their rule was, quote, the first marriage is law, the second an extraordinary concession, the third is a violation of law. The fourth is an impiety, a state similar to that of the animals. Damn, so even even though they're not alive? Yep. That's they said so you crazy. get three marriages. I imagine they're like, if you're getting married a fourth time, God doesn't want you to be married. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I guess so. <laughs> I guess you could <laughs> Take a that. hint. It's the official <laughs> stance of the church. <laughs> Take a hint. <laughs> Well, Ivan, we know, is not the kind of guy to say, well, rules are rules. <laughs> right. But he did throw the clergy a bone here. He did not roast them all like marshmallows with a medieval flamethrower. Oh, good for him. Yeah, some real growth some going progress, on. progress, yeah. <laughs> some growth with Ivan right now. He actually told them, you know, look, my third wife died in practically zero days. We never got a chance to consummate the marriage. Oh. That one don't count. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who do but count? I do count. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Four wives. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> he organized a meeting at the Church of Assumption, and he gave this heartfelt speech about all the loss he'd endured and his struggle to find a bride, and it reportedly moved the clergy to tears. Mm. So they said he could marry her, but he would have to do penance for a year. Oh. And so they married in April of 1572, and they took their honeymoon in sunny Novograd. Oh. The city that he had decimated two years earlier. Wow. It's lovely this time of year. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Anna, I'd love to take you to this beautiful cathedral, but uh, <laughs> I sort of burned it down. <laughs> oh, let me give you a tour of town. That's where I stabbed <laughs> the guy with 40 spears. This is the river that has so many women and children right. in it. Oh, uh, you can still smell the barbecue. <laughs> oh, God. God. What a weird choice like, for a honeymoon. I mean, I guess there weren't many, is that a, many options. I'd be like, is this honeymoon a threat? Maybe. Are you trying to send a message here? <laughs> well, okay, so at this point in history, with the Obrichnina disbanded, uh, the war going on and not great, there aren't a ton of big events over the next few years in terms of the story we're telling. And according to Natalia Pushkareva's book, Women in Russian History, Anna Koltovskaya did have a good influence on Ivan for a while. Russian Tsarinas are not allowed to associate with common folk, including their own families. So it was pretty customary that when a woman marries a czar, her family would be moved to the court and given noble titles so that she could still associate with them. Which we've seen before. Oh, many times. I'm particularly thinking about um, uh, ancient China episodes that we've done where yeah. they're like, oh, you know, she marries the emperor and oh. her whole family gets lifted up. Exactly. So it's part of the reason the families are like pushing their daughters to these bridal 100%. pageants is that they're like, it's not even about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's about me. But unfortunately... Anna's family did not fit in well at court, so they had a hard time making allies. And after mm. two years, Ivan and Anna had not been able to conceive a child. So Ivan supposedly started to get kind of bored with her, and he sent her off to live in a convent. She took the name Daria and lived out her days there without 
ever getting poisoned. <gasps> she actually outlived Ivan himself. Ooh. So we're going to go ahead and call this one a win for Anna. Yay! Huzzah! <laughs> The best you can hope for is going off to live as a nun and having a long, somewhat comfortable life without getting poisoned or stabbed. I mean, as comfortable as nuns are, I guess. I mean, you know. Well, within the year, Ivan decided to go for a fifth wife. Historian Nikolai Karamzin wrote, quote, The Tsar, no longer observing even the slightest decency, no longer seeking the blessing of the bishops without any church permission, married Anna Vasilchikova, in 1575. Wow. So yeah, he wasn't even pretending anymore. Right. And anyone who defied him or was like, hey, that you're not supposed to do that. Uh-huh. They pretty much faced torture and execution. So nobody challenged it. He got uh, his fifth wife, no problem. Yeah. What a sad existence, though. God, I, I bet no one ever spoke to him at all. They were I just like, you say the wrong thing, you're dead. I mean, isn't that sort of the, I mean... Uh, not just the only one, but one of the tragedies of being a very paranoid person yeah. is that you end up pushing so many people away Seriously. that you like are lonely right. and you can't help but feel like everybody hates you because right. you made them hate you. Like yeah. you made them specifically withdraw from you. It, it becomes a s- spiral. So, yeah, yeah. And kind of a self-fulfilling one. Yeah. So, yeah, nobody challenged this marriage. And Ivan and Anna had a small wedding ceremony with just immediate family And very little is known about her background or their marriage. But similarly to his last Anna, this one was shipped off to a monastery after two years. But unlike the last Anna, it's believed that she died violently at the convent. Mm. And rumors started to be spread that Ivan himself had her killed. Yeah. In a convent? Damn. Yeah, he's getting to the point where... You know, uh, nobody wrongs him and he doesn't leave any loose ends anywhere. Right. He's like, oh, I'm getting rid of this wife that I was with for two years. But what if she talks? What if she starts plotting revenge against me? Whatever. And so he sent somebody in there to, uh, I think, stab her a bunch of times. Maybe the first Anna just took like a vow of silence or something. And he's like, we don't have to worry about him. Just caught him in a good mood. Right. Maybe. Or she changed her name and he's like, what What was her name again? (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. Anyway, look for her. If you find her, we'll Mm -hmm. get her. (laughs) Now, at this point, Pushkareva writes, quote, even people at court could not keep track of the series of women who appeared and disappeared beside the czar's throne. Mm. Ivan would take women in, but he had a hard time actually caring about anyone. And they and their families generally weren't treated well. And, of course, things didn't end too well. Again, I I really just think that he was looking to recapture that feeling that he had with Anastasia. Yeah. And he didn't know how to find it. He was too far away from the person he was back then. And Mm -hmm. he couldn't be that anymore. Yeah. But then came Vasilisa Melentyeva, his sixth wife. Or was she? There's a bit of a mystery here, and we're going to get back to that and this damsel right after this break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. 
smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Toyota believes in the power of personal choice for reducing carbon emissions. Beyond Zero is their vision to go beyond carbon neutrality, and they're working toward it with a diverse lineup of electrified vehicles. And electrified doesn't just mean plugified either. Toyota offers more low and zero emissions vehicles combined than any other automaker, so you have choices that fit your lifestyle. Whether you want a hybrid EV that starts and handles like a traditional Toyota with better MPG, a battery EV that delivers a smooth, silent, clean ride, or a plug-in hybrid EV that goes between battery and fuel to give you the best of both worlds, Toyota has you covered. And for those of you who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool. But it doesn't stop with vehicles. Toyota is decreasing its plastic waste, supporting water conservation efforts, and expanding programs that protect critical species, all to help reduce their environmental footprint and create a positive impact on society giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions. That's Toyota's Beyond Zero Vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond dash zero dash vision. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back, everybody. Some historians think that Vasilisa Melentyeva was Ivan the Terrible's sixth wife, but others suggest she might not have existed at all. Most of her story comes from a book by Alexander Sulakadzev, who was notorious for writing fake histories in the 19th century. Damn, misinformation. Right. Way back in the 1800s, this <laughs> guy was doing straight it. Straight up. He was just putting like, out fake news. The original clickbait. He was like, whatever, <laughs> I write crazy story, people buy it. Who cares if and it's true? And then they believe it. <laughs> Journalistic integrity. But, of course, Nikolai Karamzin and more modern researchers did find documents that confirm that Vasilisa was at least real and did have a special relationship with Ivan. So it's possible that she was simply a concubine, if not his actual sixth wife. Ah, okay, okay. So maybe no marriage here. Yeah, hard to say. But she was there. Some definitely think that there was a marriage and some think there probably wasn't. Well, the story goes that her husband, Nikita, worked in the Tsar's court and Ivan had him poisoned and brought Vasilisa to live with him instead. Ah, the old switcheroo, uh, <laughs> call that. She was, according to Pushkareva, quote, 
such a beauty that none of the maidens at the bridal pageant could match her. This, this keeps happening. Yeah, There's a lot unmatchable of Unmatchable beauties constantly. Right. And allegedly, Ivan was pretty happy with her. She was a bit older than his other brides, and she was kind of like Anastasia. She was sweet and calming. But a few months in, Ivan's marital luck ran out again, and he discovered Vasilisa was having an affair with a prince named Devlatev. Oh, no. Which is just absolutely the dumbest thing she could have done. Right. Like, this is the last (laughs) guy I would cheat on. So Ivan forced Vasilisa to watch as he had her lover impaled. Mm. And then he exiled her to a convent as well. And then she allegedly died mysteriously later that year. And some think it's possible that Ivan had her killed as well. So I'm kind of wondering about the validity of this story for a couple of reasons. One, mm-hmm. like you said, who would bait this man <laughs> into having any reason what? to be mad at you? I mean, at the same time, how could she possibly be happy with him? So maybe that was just, she just really loved this guy. And she was like, I, I can't not be with you because my husband is literally one of the worst people in history. That's true. That's um, true. So I see that. But also it does seem like I would just be on eggshells the entire time. I wouldn't be running around cheating or anything like that. I know, that. right? Although maybe and, you're right. And she's like, it's only a matter of time before he turns on me anyway. So yeah, I'm going to grab joy true. while I can. That's true. Um, I'm, my, I guess maybe my bigger question is Devlatev. Who would be that stupid right? <laughs> to cheat with? Ivan the Terrible's wife. I was about to say the same oh, thing. Even like, if she was like, I'm ready. <laughs> Who I don't would take yeah, her up on it? I don't care if you're a 12. <laughs> I am sorry, but your husband is literally the most frightening person in a country with a history full of frightening people. Seriously. He's going to like roast me over an open fire. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to. No. But my other reason I'm not sure if I buy this is because some of the other elements seem to be mashed up from previous stories. Right. Like the fact that he sent her to a convent and Mm -hmm. she died there, you know, that she was very calming to him. I even literally saw the same painting labeled on two different websites, one as Ivan and Vasilisa and one as Ivan and Anastasia. So it seems like parts of their stories are getting crossed over, too. Okay, it's hard to say. Hmm. We just don't know. It's the 1500s. There's not a lot of really good records. Right. And apparently you got guys out here just writing right. totally fake, fake shit. News, <laughs> He's yeah. writing fan fiction. <laughs> well, Ivan's seventh marriage is also disputed and little is known about this one, maybe even less. Her name was Maria Dolgurukaya, and he supposedly married her in the year 1580, although some people write their story as as her being his fifth wife in between the two Annas. Now, if Maria Dolgurukaya existed, The legend says that she was engaged to Ivan, but had an affair before their wedding. Ivan discovered after their wedding night that she was not a virgin, and he ordered his guard to drown her in the frozen river. That's all we really know about that story. Um, This one may be even less likely to be real, but Mm -hmm. it tracks. I don't not believe it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean, I guess he wanted a personality where you could believe... Any number of horrible things yeah. about him. Yeah. So I guess you win, Ivan. Great job. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to Ivan's eighth and final wife, let's do a quick recap. A, a Tsarina summary. A Tsarina summary. Number one, Anastasia Romanov. They have two surviving sons together at this point, Lil Ivan Jr. and Fyodor. They were together for 13 years before she got poisoned by the boyars. 
Number two, Maria Kemriokovna, who also got poisoned, maybe by Ivan, probably by Boyars, after eight years of marriage. Number three, Marfa Sobakina, who died 16 days after their wedding, probably accidentally poisoned by her mother. Number four, Anna Koltovskaya, married for two years before he got bored with her and shipped her to a monastery. She's still alive. In the story, not in real life. <laughs> Number five, Anna Vasilchikova, also married for two years before getting sent off to a monastery where she was killed. Number six, Vasilisa Melentieva. They were married for a few months before Ivan discovered she was cheating, had her boyfriend impaled in front of her. She's sent off to a monastery where she was also killed. And number seven, Maria Dolgurukaya, who cheated before they even got married and she got drowned. So just a, a super list of Tsarinas. <laughs> What a super summary. They all did stupendously. Uh, I don't know. Some of them did stupid shit. (laughs) But that brings us to Zarina number eight, Maria Nagaya. This woman and this marriage both definitely did exist. Mm. So no questions here. They married in the year 1581. But this was also the year of one of Ivan's most terrible acts in a long time. Ivan had actually been trying to make amends for his Abrichnina years by making massive donations to monasteries. He would visit other towns and pray at their churches for his victims. Now, Russia had been weakened under his strict and violent rule, and the war wasn't going well either. Ivan's son, Ivan Jr., had been married three times since he was 12 years old. The first two wives did not produce children quickly, so Ivan Sr. had them each shipped off to convents. So the two-Ivan's relationship was pretty strained. Mm -hmm. Ivan Jr.'s third wife was Yelena Sheremeteva, and she was found to be pregnant in October of 1581, and everyone was thrilled. Ivan Jr., of course, was in line to be Ivan V the next czar of Russia. And he already had his family lined up and ready to go. He was going to have an heir himself. But on November 15th of 1581, Ivan the Terrible saw his daughter-in-law, Yelena, wearing what he saw as immodest clothing. And he started to beat her. Ivan Jr. ran in, hearing his wife's screams. And he stopped his father, shouting at him, quote, You sent my first wife to a convent, did the same with my second, and now you strike the third, causing the death of the son she holds in her womb. And indeed, Yelena suffered a miscarriage just shortly after this. Damn, Ivan. Yeah. And the next day, Ivan Jr. confronted his father. They had already been fighting over Ivan IV's military failures, and Ivan Jr. had tried to raise his own army to save the besieged city of Puskov. So when Ivan Jr. shouted at his father for beating his wife, the Tsar changed the subject and accused him of inciting a rebellion by raising his own forces. Ivan Jr. denied it, but he insisted the city be liberated, at which point Ivan the Terrible lost his temper and struck his son over the head with his scepter. Ivan Jr. collapsed to the ground, bleeding from the head, barely conscious. His father immediately threw himself down on the ground and cradled his son, crying, quote, May I be damned! I've killed my son! I've killed my son! The younger Ivan regained consciousness briefly and reportedly said, quote, I die as a devoted son 
and most humble servant. His father prayed over his bedside for the next few days, but on November 19th, young Ivan, heir to the Russian throne, died at 27 years old. This is, again, Ivan's just, he can't hold on to his temper at all. He's just like, like he doesn't really have a focus for any of his violence, really. This is like the most tragic part to me, because you see, especially him like collapsing to the ground, that yeah, his, his reactions are out of his own control. Mm-hmm. Right. He has these violent out- outbursts that I don't think he knows he's doing until he's done them. Obviously, no excuse, but it's just it makes. He's so much more than just an awful person. He's really got mental health issues. I, I think and so most too. historians say that as well, that he was not a sane, a fully sane person in control of his own faculties. Mm-mm. Right. Like he, he was losing it or had lost it long ago. Oof. Um, the guy really needed some some therapy and maybe some medication. <laughs> he certainly didn't need to have this kind of power. No, it's only making him a billion times worse. This scepter that he hit his son with, he carried around for that purpose. He would beat people with it all the time. Of course. What else do you do with a scepter, I guess? And his son just like challenged him once, like just stood up to him. And his immediate reaction without thinking, without even knowing who was in front of him, was to swing that thing and bash him over the head with it. Yeah, it's like very knee-jerk violence. Yeah. Now, Ivan didn't really care much for his eighth wife, Maria Nagaya, but she bore him a son the next year, 1582, and they named him Dimitri. And this is believed to be what saved her from being exiled or worse. Mm. But later that year, Ivan sent a letter off to our old friend, Queen Elizabeth I of England. Ooh. And he said... Hey, uh, I want to marry your relative, Mary Hastings, and create an alliance between our two nations. Russia had only formed their first trade connections with England in the last few decades, and he saw them as a very powerful ally, you know, for flanking Middle Europe. Sure. He said in his letter that, yeah, I I know that I'm married, but you know what? I will totally ditch my wife (laughs) if you agree to me marrying your cousin. Well, Elizabeth pretty much did not respond Mm. (laughs) to this letter. Maybe because 10 years earlier, Ivan had exchanged two other letters with her. One offered some political proposal, and when she rejected him, he wrote the second letter, which basically said, wow, I thought you were a good ruler, but I guess your country is actually ruled by merchants that only care about profits. Quote, and you flower in your maidenly estate like a maid. Wow. Oof. That ain't the way to go with uh, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's the first letter. No mention of her being a queen. And his second one, he's like, wow, well, this is what happens when women rule, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, jeez, dude. Your dumb female brain uh-huh. can't, can't grasp the intricacies of my <laughs> perfect proposal. I guess you're just flouncing around in your gardens, you know, doing <laughs> curtsies and watching the notebook. Uh, And Queen Elizabeth is like, meanwhile, how many fires have we had? Right. (laughs) Seriously. Well, after Queen Elizabeth read this letter, she kind of probably took a breath. Right. Got her temper together Mm because that was something she could do. Uh (laughs) Um, And she wrote back, yeah, that is not how it goes over here. She wrote, quote, we rule ourselves with the honor befitting a virgin queen appointed by God. And no sovereign, thanks to God has more obedient subjects. (laughs) 
So she's like, you know, all that disloyalty you're dealing with. Uh-huh. Well, I know nothing of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I... suck it, you creep. <laughs> Seriously. It's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I have my shit together over here. All right. You're out here begging for a wife when you're already married just so you can hold your country together. Okay. My bestie's over here not getting married <laughs> right. waiting for me. <laughs> I got three dudes on hold. I got, <laughs> I got men on men on men, but none on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, before any poor English woman was sent off to marry Ivan the Terrible, he died of a stroke in 1584 while playing chess with a friend. Mm. And across Russia, there was much rejoicing. (laughs) (laughs) Ding dong, the witch is dead. Well, or there might have been, except there wasn't really a great heir in place because he had Uh killed his eldest son, Ivan. Mm -hmm. His younger son, Fyodor, was next in line, and he was named Tsar pretty quickly. But this guy was really quiet. He was kind of sickly. And he was just this sweet, good-natured little kid who had pretty much no interest in politics. They said that he liked to visit churches and he would ask them to ring the bells when they got there because he just liked to hear the bells ring. That He was actually nicknamed Theodore the Bell Ringer. Oh. Um, and I just picture this guy as like, he, he likes to sit down and play with the bunnies, you know? <laughs> He's Will Ferdinand the Bull. Chasing around butterflies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, I guess he... he... He's a lot more like Anastasia, yes, maybe, than Ivan. more of his mother in him, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was but only three years old himself when his mother died. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah so he grew up just kind of like, can I just stay out of it, please? I know. Well, I would. that definitely would be me. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm just seeing y'all's drama. Right. <laughs> and it's very exhausting. I'm going to go sit over here. Listen to some bells. (laughs) Read my (laughs) books. Read my books under the bell tower. And I mean, you know, you think of it, he's the spare, right? So Ivan probably put all of his, like, fatherness into Ivan Jr. Like, I'm going to teach you how to be a man, son, because you'll be czar one day, not thinking that, you know, the other way it would go. And little Theodore is just like, okay, well, I'm just going to go be a sweetie. Man, that's another thing I think is so weird. How many times in history that they've had to resort to the spare right and even so people are like i'm not going to spend any time on the spare i know know, like but what if he does have to i mean you should (laughs) (laughs) they should both know what to do (laughs) well so everyone was kind of expecting theodore to not really rule for very long because he was kind of weak and he was kind of sick the next in line might have been ivan and maria's son dimitri from his last marriage but Mm -hmm. in 1591 at only eight years old Dimitri died under mysterious circumstances. Oh. Now, Boris Godunov was the boyar who was effectively running the country while Theodore was, you know, checked out, listening right. to the bells and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Maria Nagaya and her brothers supported a theory that Boris had Dimitri killed to strengthen his own power. Mm, sure. But modern scholars tend to think Boris was not involved. So the most likely theory is that Dimitri was playing a game called Svaika, where boys would throw this sharp spear into the ground. But then he had a seizure, which he was prone to, and he fell down in such a way that the spear cut his neck. Right. What a freak accident. Oh, total freak accident. That's the more accepted theory about Mm. what happened. That's crazy. But when Tsar Fyodor died in 1598 without an heir... It kicked off what's known in Russian history as the Time of Troubles, wherein three different men at different times claimed to be 
Dimitri all grown up. Like there was this huge cult of people who believed that Dimitri actually survived. So there's false Dimitri one, two, and three, they call him. And these three guys that stepped up and actually did rule Russia, each of them for a time. It was chaotic. I mean, no one knew who was in charge. This is a whole other a whole other show. I mean, this is this is Russian <laughs> history that deserves like a 10 part series just on the false Dimitris uh, and the time of troubles uh, things. But the summary is that things were rough for a, a quite a few years, almost two decades. I love I love that they named it the time of troubles, unlike all the other times previously. I, well, I mean, God. <laughs> that well, we're not troubled. I mean, that that tells you right there just how so. bad it was. <laughs> They're like, those were normal times. These are troubled times. All the fires, massacres, and so on. Normal shit. This is is, a time of troubles. Russian bar, very low. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to make a long story short, in 1613, Ivan the Terrible's government that he set up, the Zemsky Sabor, elected a relative of his first wife, Anastasia, to be the next czar of Russia. His name was Michael Romanov. Because remember, back when Ivan and Anastasia were married, people scoffed at the Romanov family. They thought they were not very important. But now, the Romanovs would go on to rule Russia for the next 300 years. How crazy to think that... I mean, they basically had to be like, I don't know, you, you're (laughs) sort of involved in the family, I guess. I mean, certainly again, they end up like holding on to power for so long. Right. Definitely. Again, another dense uh, history. If you study the time of troubles in Russia, it's more than I had time to get into. But Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I know. I love that. I mean, Ivan just destabilized things so badly on his way out that they had to completely switched lines. His dynasty was the Ruriks, mm. and they had ruled Russia for quite a long time. Um, and no one thought they would ever go. But Ivan Ivan wiped out that and started the Romanov dynasty. Who, of course, 300 years later, lost power very spectacularly. Right. And then we got Horribly. a pretty solid Fox animation studios musical movie out of it. True. With Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forget that Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> right. And the name Anastasia. And all I know. the Russians just cringed. I know. They're like, ugh. <laughs> There's a, that's not how you say it. Right. Well, I guess we also say Romanov, which Romanov. I guess is also wrong. Yeah, Romanov. it's a Romanov, but uh, who knows? Russians well, let us know. Russians let us know. <laughs> what a story. Ivan the Terrible. Man, Again, a name you guy. hear floating through history. Like, he was. One of the bad guys henchmen in, I think, Night at the Museum 2. Like the, the, oh, really? The, the pharaoh who was, like, taken over. He he enlisted Ivan the Terrible and Napoleon and, like, oh, God. Um, uh, Al Capone, I think, to help him take over the wow. museum. It's a real <laughs> villain's gallery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Ivan's got this historical image of being terrible. And, of course, remember, his name does not really mean that. But he also is terrible. Terrible, yeah. So... Really, quite a quite a character and just a brutal history here with these poor eight, you know, between six and eight official wives and <laughs> probably many other women who. Well, that's got, what my question is. All these women that they were like, we can't even keep track. Yeah. And that part of the story, I was yeah. like, well, what happened to him? Yeah. Like, I imagine he was just like, all right, one night stand. Well, maybe he's like Amina of Nigeria. And he's like, I'll just one night stand. And then you did. Yeah. 
I mean, remember in part one, he grew up as a as a young teenage boy. He had a, a supposedly a different woman every night. Oh yeah. So he was probably very used to being able to sleep with a woman anytime he wanted. Sure. And there was just women at his disposal at all times, which it further makes me think that Ivan's real goal was to find another Anastasia, find someone who made him happy in that way that he was. Yeah. But he, again, was just too far gone to ever feel that way again, no matter who came in. I think that's true. I mean, I, you know, this is a this a terrible guy, but I, I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, there must be a lot of that throughout history as I think we've run into a few times. Mm -hmm. But especially historians must often read about particularly leaders where they're like, this guy is not well. Right. You know, like if if it had been different, you know, someone would have been like, let's let's maybe get somebody a little more like stable and uh, on the throne. Seriously. This guy is is crazy, but they didn't really have I mean, any any tools to address that. Yeah. And then, of course, when we did know kings were crazy in England, they were just like, well, put put, put him put him in a room by himself. <laughs> but he's still going to be king. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we can't yep. can't change it. It's just so strange. Well, I think you've done an, a fine job making us feel sorry for a terrible guy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Always my goal is to really like, you know, who's looking out for the murderous white guys? <laughs> And history, you know, we you know. deserve a little more respect, don't we? We, no, I'm not, I'm we, not amongst I know. them. <laughs> Hang on now. <laughs> Am I going to be poisoned or sent to a monastery? Nah. I, I want to prepare myself. No, I would send myself to a monastery before you, I think. Okay, good. All those nuns, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> no. I don't think it's going to turn out the way you plan, you're planning. <laughs> no. I like that about our show sometimes because you're able to just look at them as a person. Yeah. Throughout their from their romantic relationships and stuff right. and be like, regardless of all the terrible things they're doing, there's just a person in here that is is, I don't know, chafing at a lot of things in their life, like right. his mom being poisoned and stuff. Yeah. And he's also clearly not mentally well and just I don't know. It's you can kind of have some sympathy for that actual person, even though I have very little sympathy for the ruler, well, Ivan the Terrible. This exactly. That sense? Yeah, I was going to say it goes back to this thing I, I say to you often when I'll say I'm sorry and you say you've got nothing to be sorry for. And I say, well, I'm not apologizing. I'm sympathizing, mm. you know, and that's the difference between those two sorries. And it's like I can feel sorry for Ivan and everything he'd been through and what led him to being a monster mm -hmm. without apologizing for his behavior at all. Right. No right, one. Right, there right. is no apology for that. No. But there, there can be sympathy, um, and that doesn't mean, oh, it's okay. Come on, let's get you a hot bowl of soup and 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 get you inside and give you a nice comfy bed, and you'll, you know, we'll just we'll just find you a good wife, and then all will be forgiven. No, absolutely mm -hmm. not. You're a monster who murdered and tortured people horribly, right. and you deserve nothing but the worst. Um, but also, it sucks that you you that you the circumstances that led you to become that are. Yeah. are awful and shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I think that's true. I feel like that's sort of uh, when you're psychologically talking about, uh, you know, some some terrible criminal and people are like, stop sympathizing with them. Mm -hmm. They did horrible things. And it's like, that's true. I don't you know, you don't want to sympathize with the criminal over the victims. Right. You know, or something like right. that. But we do. I think as people, we're so fascinated by like, what makes you do something like that? What makes you into a type of person yeah. who can go so hard against social mores and morals yeah. of like just not 
torturing and murdering a bunch of people, like how, what what turns you into that person is kind of a draw, is such a curiosity. I think we lose sight a little bit of why we want to know that. I think there's an instinct no, that that makes us want to dig into that. It's the reason true crime is so popular and stuff. And I think the reason we probably feel that way is because we want to be active and proactive about stopping those things from happening. Mm. But we get a little more excited about the details and are just like, I just want to know it. I just want to eat it. And not <laughs> like, I want to do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's really what it comes down to is if we're looking so hard at why people are the way they are, why people do terrible things that we could not imagine. It's because, well, you know, maybe we find out that Ivan was that way because people were horrible to him as a child and maybe we should treat children better and not poison their mothers. You know, if that's all we take from this, mm -hmm. I think it's a good lesson is don't poison children's mothers. <laughs> I find that to be a good lesson as well. <laughs> right. Classic lesson. Could have avoided all of this. Who knows what Russia would be like today? Mm. If the boyars hadn't uh, hadn't done all that. Right. Or if they just, yeah, if they let Anastasia live. Right. Maybe Ivan would still be himself, you know, but not not so bad. Right. Right. I don't know. Well, maybe but things would have gotten worse. There's that theory, too, that we're in the best possible timeline. Oh, that's a theory. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. all right. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it's not a great theory. But sometimes I like it. Sometimes I'm like, well, this sucks, but. Could be worse. All other options were worse, even though I think they were better. They are actually way worse. I was going to say, too, that I think what's par part of us trying to figure out why someone is the way they are. Yeah. Being such a draw is that we get really frustrated if we find out that they just are like that. Because some people are born with a violent, yeah. violent tendency. Yeah, There's nothing true. that necessarily makes them that way. Yeah, I think we too. talked about that with like Sid and Nancy. Yeah. There was really nothing to, to point to that was like, this is the turning point where they said, I'm, you know. I'm broken now. Yeah. But they were just kind of had that impulse in them. And there's something really scary about that, that Ugh. you can just be born with that yeah. and not have any choice once whatsoever. And that nothing could have done. No one could have done anything differently. Right. That's always really hard to accept. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't not damage people, too. That's so true. Right. Like yeah. you, you, you can't be perfect to everyone around you all the time. And you're gonna cause some harm you're gonna cause some lasting trauma you know mm -hmm. just passively right uh so just try not to do it actively but yeah i think you're right i think some people there's not a lot of answers why they do the things they do but for ivan maybe for ivan there seems to be at least some answers some triggers in there yeah maybe not full answers but <laughs> yeah, right. there's some triggers yeah right but yeah, I don't know. I hope y'all liked this episode. These yeah. two episodes too, learning about Ivan the Terrible and right. feeling some sympathy for this horrible monster. <laughs> <laughs> or at least for his wives. Or at least for his wives yeah. who deserve some real sympathy yeah. for sure. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in for this one. We would love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, tell us about the terrible marriages you've had. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we'll read those on air, too. I know. Hopefully um, you didn't get sent to any monastery. Hopefully not. Or maybe you did and you turned out great for you, like the first Anna. Yeah. So shoot us an email. We're ridicromance at gmail.com. Right, or we're on Instagram. I'm at Boom, And I'm at oh great. It's Eli. And the show is at ridicromance. Thank you again so much for tuning in today, spending your time with us. Hope you love this episode, and we've got many more coming your way. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.